And welcome to the Generations Program. And Merry Christmas. This is Christmas 2023. Bill. Merry Christmas, Kevin. Bill Jack from Worldview Academy. And uh, Kevin Swanson yeah. in studio. Where, yeah. Where's my stocking? I just didn't have room in the bunker. I, I know. The bunker is full. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Barely got in here this morning. <laughs> All right. So, and it's not full of gifts for me. Bill, I'm thankful. Um, I'm thankful for Jesus. Okay. Um, one of the things we're going to talk about is be careful that you don't fall into a materialistic, it's all about me, get me more stuff kind of a Christmas. Oh, you mean like my statement was? Just, exactly. Okay. I'm trying to just in a I, quiet I re- way I, sort of I, exhort you. Yeah. I re- you, you rebuke me and I uh, repent of myself and dust and ashes. Okay. But where are my gifts? Well, Romans 14, <laughs> uh, Romans 14 allows for you know Christian liberty in the celebration of certain days of the year, including the birth of Christ. And I've always said you could also celebrate the walking on water, where Jesus walked on water on June 17th, if you'd like. Nevertheless, we must be careful as we do these celebrations that we don't fall into that materialistic sort of mindset. And I think the goal is always to be sure that the truths of Scripture, historical realities, the gospel just sink deeper into our uh, consciousness. We better understand, better experience, and better appreciate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that the goal? That's what we want. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we become uh, either materialistic or become sentimental uh-huh. and nostalgic. Mm-hmm. We long for times past when things seem to be better, and we forget the real reason for why we do celebrate. It is not family. It is Jesus. It's not because we've been blessed with material things that we can give to others. It's because of Jesus. Yeah, we want to get beyond tradition and family warmth and uh, sentimentality. Now, not to say that some of these things aren't helpful. We appreciate right. the family. Our family's together this Christmas. We're yeah. so thankful. And I, I, I do enjoy It's a Wonderful Life as a movie. Uh-huh. Sure. So watch that one more time okay. for the 78th so. time, whatever I it is. So. Um, but I, I do want to get away from the idea of the sentimental approach to Christmas or to any part of our quote-unquote religious experience. And I want to deal with that just for a second. We're going to talk about why Jesus came. And... Uh, Think about this for just a moment. I know we don't always think about the lyrics of the songs that we sing. You contrast the Christmas carols and the hymns that were written in the 1800s to those written in the 1600s, and you see a, or those written over the first 1700 years of church history, and you find a huge difference. And that's because there was a softening of the Christian faith in America and England in the 1800s, a very, very bad period of time. But we have to be very careful. Now, listen to this. O little town of Bethlehem. How still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Okay, stop for a second. What are you getting from this? It's just, it's a peaceful pastoral setting. Exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 it's setting this, the stage, and it, there's a feeling elicited from it. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Holy infant so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. Now, what does that mean for the baby to be sleeping in heavenly peace? Well, so far, it's not saying very much. And that's my point. Right. So far, we're not saying very much. It came upon a midnight clear, that glorious song of old, where angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. Okay. Biblical? Don't think so. Not so much. No. 
Um, is there much content there? Not so much. No. Now, again, you know, some folks are saying, no, just, you're just ruining my favorite Christmas carol. <laughs> what, what are you guys doing on this beautiful Christmas morning? Well, the point is that we have to be careful that we're just not eliciting a feeling. Uh, I think some people have the impression that if you elicit a feeling, that becomes the substance of the faith. And that's what happened in the 1800s. And that's what's happened with modern music. We are so immersed in the sentimentality or the feeling of the music. We are so pretty much attached to the emotion of it all. We have been so overwhelmed by the Bascalian uh, emotional rush of the music that we're really not set to the content itself. Now, it's interesting in the subsequent verses of these hymns actually do get better. Uh, as in a little town of Bethlehem, uh, it, it continues on. The fourth verse, I think, is the best. You think about this. The first So far, we've talked about a little town of Bethlehem. Now, here's one of the problems, is that a lot of the singers won't go past the first verse. <laughs> right. You follow me? So yeah. I, I, yeah. You don't want that happening. You want to get on to the rest of the, the, the song. Uh, oh, holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin. And enter in, be born in us today. Amen to that. Yes. Amen to that. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Come on down. Cast out my sin and enter in, be born in me today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. A lot of content there. That's yeah. biblical content. Yeah. Now. now we're into it. So the point is, let's be very, very cautious that we don't get into a sentimentalized sort of religion. And that has happened. Well, well, that's happened to so much mm-hmm. of evangelicalism today. It's it's just yeah. not healthy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think of a way in a manger. You know, and it talks about a way in a manger. Uh, you know, and the little baby sleeping. No crying you know, he makes. No crying he makes. Well, babies, babies, they good. cry. They cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when you say, "Oh, how did you sleep last night?" I slept like a baby. Cried woke, on, woke up cr- every two hours. Yeah. Cried yeah. and yep. wanted to yep. eat. Yep. Right, and then went back to sleep. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and they were also surrounded by animals and there was there was just not it was not a it was not a hilton in experience and don't forget jesus wept yes don't forget that he suffered the consequences of sin in this very difficult world so we can't be painting the picture of some sort of beautiful sort of scenery Mm. where there's not the sense in which he's coming into a sinful world to be cruelly tortured all the way to the crucifixion and then, you know, take upon himself the burden of our sins. I just thought one of the, one of the most uh, moving songs and, and it's, it, it moves me and it has sentimentality with it, but I think there's, there's some truth. There's, there's biblical truth. And that is that the song, Mary, did you know? And talking about from Mary's perspective, did she know that the the child that she was nurturing, that the face that she was touching was the face of God? Mm-hmm. You know, here is here is the baby Jesus, but she knows what she's called to. Here is the very person of Jesus Christ, yeah. the the human nature as well as the divine nature right. uh, together, uh, but but not uh, mixed. Well, we'll be back in just a moment, friends, with more on this subject and really I want to get to this on this Christmas morning 2023 why did he come why did Jesus come that next on Generations hello my friends for the last 15 years the Generations team has produced a Christian curriculum 
specifically for families who want to give their children a God-centered, Bible-saturated, biblical worldview-based education. Our commitment is to restore the Christian faith, generational faith in an age where we are losing faith in this country and almost anywhere around the world where Christian children attend secular schools or use secular curriculum and imbibe secular culture. Now, we're not relying on the pre-Christian Greeks for an educational model here. We're not relying on the post-Christian secularists for the education model either. Our curriculum is based in a biblical worldview. We put hundreds of Bible verses in the history books and integrate the truths into the subjects. We want to glorify God on every page of the science books. We immediately integrate knowledge into life application and natural revelation with special revelation. We keep Christ at the very center of the history books with preparing the world for Jesus and taking the world for Jesus. I believe God is calling this generation in this highly secularized age to a radical change in how they disciple their children. Please check out our program for education of your children and grandchildren at www.generations.org. Back on the Generations broadcast, Kevin Swanson with you as well, Bill Jack. And so back to this question of sentimentality, Bill, we don't want to reduce the Christmas carols, the beautiful Christmas hymns, the Christmas celebration to a mere sentimentality. That's one of the most insidious demonic ploys that we have taken into modern Christianity. We're content that we have the true faith. Why? Because we have come to a certain feeling about something called Jesus, and oftentimes not even a person, but something called Jesus. Right. We get this feeling going. Now, it's not how you feel towards Jesus that matters. Friends, fundamentally, it's that you believe in Jesus. Right. Okay? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. I mean, it's, it's the believing in Jesus, not, not the feeling about Jesus. It's believing the right Jesus. It's that you believe in what Jesus did. Uh, that you follow Jesus. It's not merely saying something like, I feel like I love Jesus. It's not that you have said, Lord, Lord, uh, have I not done this or that? It's not that you have good feelings towards a Christmas carol. I ran into a woman once uh, who said her favorite hymn was, I come to the garden alone with the dew is still on the roses. And she attended our church for a brief time. And then she went off to the Mormon church and lived a fairly profligate lifestyle. Well, it's just, that's that, that's not it. That's not the substance of it. Right. Uh, we don't choose the most sentimental possible hymns as our very favorites because we uh, have some kind of an emotional m- movement of our emotional state as we experience that. Jesus will cast those people into hell who said, Lord, Lord, he'll say, I never knew you you workers of iniquity, but why? Well, Jesus is concerned that we really do believe in him, that we love him and that we follow him and keep his commandments. See, all that flows together into the Christian life. And there has to be something deeper than merely a superficial sentiment. Uh, Jesus is concerned how we treat the body of Christ. In uh, Matthew 25, he, in the last day, he says uh, to the uh, goats, depart from me, you you workers of iniquity. Why? Because you know you weren't taking care of the least of these, my brothers. You didn't know, you didn't recognize uh, me uh, in, in, in terms of the body of Christ, such that you would reach out to the body of Christ and love the body of Christ. That means a lot to him. These are the substantial objective things that matter in the Christian faith. He's concerned that we love him. 
and manifest our subjective love for him by keeping his commandments objectively. You see, you get the subjective and the objective together. That's why he will continually say, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Another place he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? But you don't do the things I tell you to do. You know, right. That's pretty convicting. You know, you hear those yeah. words from the master. You're like, oh, good point. It's yeah. not just about you know lip service. It's not just about sentimental feelings and singing the sentimental hymns. Uh, this is the objective. Jesus, He has come to save us from our sins. So. Bill, I think there's a contrast between that which is subjective, that which is superficial and sentimental, and that which is really substantive, you know, and and I think I'd like to see that develop in myself and my family. And I think this is the kind of thing that makes a Christmas celebration a worthwhile, edifying time. And I'm sure there are listeners right now who are going... Well, Kevin and Bill are just Grinches. They're just throwing a wet blanket on my on my feel good day. But, and but, but, but feeling good's not enough. That's my no, point. That's their point. Feeling good is not enough. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like the alcoholic. I feel pretty good, but then the next morning, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, you can get a good feeling, but that's just not enough. That's substant- substantive enough as yeah. as the Christian life. That's why in in is it first John it says you know these things I've written to you that you may know that you have eternal life not that you may feel that you have eternal life not that you may hope that you have it but that you may know mm-hmm. we have a faith it's that good. is rooted and grounded in a fact of history that is the birth the life the death the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ those events in history are what are the bedrock of our faith if those things did not happen, if we can disprove the virgin birth or, or the the resurrection, then you can destroy Christianity. Yeah, and these, this is the substance of, of what we believe. We hold to this with everything that we have. Uh, so let's be clear on the basics this Christmas morning, 2023. Why did Jesus come? Well, he came. This is very clear. Matthew one twenty one. You shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua. You shall call his name Jesus. Uh, Jehovah saves, Yahweh saves, for what? He shall save his people from their sins. Is there any question about that? Pretty clear. Yeah. yeah. Pretty clear. He came to save his people from their sins. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to save the world. Here are 32 reasons why Jesus came. So I'm going to go through this list. And uh, just because I think it's important for us not to over-sentimentalize the faith, but to know that Jesus came. And he came why? Well, number one, we needed him to come. So let's remember that. We, we needed a Savior to come. All right, he came to do the will of the Father. Okay, that's, uh, it comes to us in uh, the verse Hebrews 10, 7. And I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. He came to save sinners, I just mentioned, but First Timothy 1.15 as well. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. He came to bring light to a dark world. This would be John 12.46. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Wow, yes, he turned on the lights, absolutely. He came to be made like his people. This would be Hebrews 2, 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject of lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. 
Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. So again, why did Jesus come? The scriptures repeat it over and over. He came to bear witness to the truth. Pilate turned to him, John 18, 37, and said, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. All right. He came to destroy the works of the devil, as we just mentioned, Hebrews 2, 14. He came to give us eternal life as well. This is John 6, 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus came to receive worship as well. Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and said, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. Jesus came to bring great joy. This again from Luke chapter 2. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Jesus came to demonstrate to humility. Philippians 2 verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped for, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus came also to preach the gospel. This is Luke chapter 4. Here he comes out of the gate in that synagogue in Nazareth. And what does Jesus say? Right away, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Why? To proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So again, he's come to declare the, the gospel message, which he would guarantee by the death and by his own resurrection. Uh, he came to bring judgment. Interesting. Here's John 9, 39. Jesus said, for judgment, I came into the world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. And uh, then ver- number 13, he came to give us life, a ransom for many, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark ten forty five. Number 14, he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished, Matthew 5 and verse 17. Bill, I'm halfway through. (laughs) (laughs) Your your thoughts as as we go through this. Uh, Any surprises? No, no surprises at all, because he is not just a loving God, but he is a just God. And in a sense... Now, this, this may sound a bit heretical, but in a sense, God had a problem. He wants a relationship with us, but we are gross sinners. We cannot be in his presence as sinners without just being burned to a crisp. We cannot, we cannot imagine the holiness of our God. Hmm. And so, but he wants a relationship with us. Yes. But being a just God, he has to satisfy that, that holiness. His holiness demands justice. And so he came up with the solution to the problem, and that was to sacrifice his son. And there's something very unsentimental about what you just said. Yeah. I mean, it's just not a sentimental thing. It's a a legal legal contract 
contract. This gets beyond the baby who's not crying yes. in the manger. This, this gets to the point that we had, yes, a big problem. And Jesus came to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus came to, to be tortured. Jesus came to take the, the nails to his hands and to his feet. Yeah. Jesus came to bear the curse that was due to us for our sins. Jesus came uh, to crush the head of the serpent. I, we haven't talked about that very much. This doesn't sound like a baby who's not crying in a manger. This gets beyond that. And this is important for people to say amen to. This is important for people to say amen and hallelujah. And this is what delivers us from eternal death into the realm of eternal life. That baby's first cry would echo down through to the cross when, as an adult, Jesus cried out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. My God, have, why have you forsaken me? What a cry. What a cry. Jesus, the Father turned his back because he, didn't, he could not see the, the ugliness of our sin poured out on his son. Well, let's conclude the 32 reasons why Jesus came. Jesus came to reveal God's love for sinners, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Indeed, that was the revelation, the prime revelation of the love of God on earth for us. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. We'll talk about that very much, but yet very important. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus came to die. Uh, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Indeed, that's what happened. Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. That would be Luke 19 and verse 5. Jesus came to serve. Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus came to bring peace, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one, Jew and Gentile, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. That bringing peace and reconciliation to the relationships of uh, Jew and Gentile and every other broken relationship on planet Earth is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Jesus came to bring a sword, Matthew 10, 34. Do not think I've come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus came to bind up broken hearts. The spirit of the Lord's upon me because the Lord has anointed me uh, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Jesus came to give us the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Jesus came to make us partakers of the divine nature. Second Peter 1 and verse 4, Jesus came to reign as a king. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government is upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. He came to restore human nature to holiness. The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, that the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God, Luke one thirty five. Jesus came to be a merciful and faithful high priest, Hebrews 2.17. He came to be the second and the greater Adam as the federal head for his people, Romans 5.14. Jesus came to satisfy our deepest thirst. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. And he came to be loved by God's children. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, then you would love me, but 
I came from God and I am here, came not of my own accord, but he sent me. And Jesus came to reveal the glory of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, that's a summary of the reasons why Jesus came. Credit to Joel Beakey, who pulled much of this together for us. Mm-hmm. But uh, does that help you <laughs> clarify yeah. what we're doing on this Christmas Day 2023? It's a great reminder. Yeah. Friends, uh, just to say Merry Christmas from me and Bill on this Christmas Day. Merry Christmas. And that's why Jesus came. He came to save us from our sins. He came to be a king. He came to overcome the power of the evil one and crush the works of the devil in order that uh, we would live eternally with him. And that wraps up this edition of Generations. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.